This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn. A business is only as strong as its people and every hire matters. Go to linkedin.com slash twist and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Save time and money no matter what you ship or mail. Try it free for 30 days and get a free 10-pound scale when you visit pb.com slash twist. And Capterra, the leading free online resource to find your best software solutions. Visit capterra.com slash twist for free to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. We're trying a new format today. It's called Office Hours with Jason. I'm Jason. This is my office here at Breather. If you go to breather.com slash twist, they will give you a full free day at a Breather office. They're amazing spaces where you can work quietly and GSD, get sugar done. Well, today I'm going to meet with a bunch of different founders who have hard questions for me in my office hours format. What's that format, you ask? Well, it's something I do privately where I, I book a day every other week and I tell founders who I've invested in, come see me if you got a problem, the door is always open. And by it's always open, I mean it's open every two weeks. Well, you get to come into that day today and hear me interact with my portfolio companies as well as companies that I might invest with. And I ask them, what is their biggest problem that they can't solve right now? And we brainstorm it. So what you're going to see here is candid, it's brutal, and it's brutally helpful for you, a founder watching the program who wants to scale their company. If you're not interested in kicking ass, if you're not interested in scaling a company, if you are a precious snowflake who's caught up in your emotions, please go watch another podcast. This podcast is for people who want to win and get rich and get power and build important companies that change the world. Stick with us. Okay, next up on Office Hours with Jason, I'm Jason Calacanis, is Emily from The Stylist LA. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. So you're in our accelerator right now? Correct. Yeah. How's it going? Good. Great. Okay. Well, we're here in office hours, which I also do at the accelerator. Yes. So you're, this is not a new concept to you. Right. I always like to start with what's the biggest problem you have right now, the hardest thing you're trying to figure out. Because if we can figure out your hardest thing, well, gosh, that could be a real um, force multiplier in your company. So what's the hardest thing you're working on at the Stylist LA? And give us like a one or two sentence description of the Stylist LA before we hear that problem. Okay. The Stylist LA is a women's contemporary clothing rental company targeting the millennial and Gen Z consumer. So we have two stores in LA and San Francisco, and we also ship nationwide. So one thing that I'm really struggling with lately and that I want your advice on is we're in the middle of a fundraise. We're about to close the round, which is great. Um, what advice do you have and what are things that are key things to watch out for after you raise? Well, that's great. Congratulations on the raise. I Thank hope you. the accelerator helped with that. Yes, definitely. Def yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So I always encourage people to sit down with their management team and you may have a very light management right. team because you're a five or 10 person startup. Right. How many people do We're you have? We're five right now. Five right now. So I'd sit, you could sit down with everybody yeah. and say, here is the plan that I've um, set up for the next 18 months. Yeah. And I like to do an 18 month plan because it's not too long, but it's also not too short. Okay. And it also, uh, will be in all likelihood, all likelihood, how long your money will last. Right. So if you were to raise $1.8 million for simplicity's sake, you divide it by 18, it's a hundred thousand dollars a month in burn. If you raise 900, it's obviously $50,000, right. right? So you're going to raise somewhere in that range, I believe? Yes, so we're raising around a million. Got it. So you would have the ability to burn, spend, uh, lose $50,000 a month. Right. And you already have been touching on profitability. Correct. And you could be profitable if you wanted to. So yes. all that extra spend is going to go towards growth. And you should be looking at that spend and saying, in 12 to 18 months, where would where will my revenue be? Because you're a post-product market fit company. Correct. And what will drive the next group of investors, typically venture capitalists, to write, let's call it a $5 million check and a proper Series A, because you're doing a seed round. Yes. So let's start with that. Having been to the accelerator, what do you think you need to accomplish in the next 12 to 18 months to trigger a Series A investment? Because you've met with Series A investors right. and gotten a hard no. Right. Too early. Right. So what do you think it's going to take? 
Um, 3Xing revenue at least, I would say. And really having key metrics on this new subscription that we're launching. So we're launching that in February. And so having key metrics around that really like hammer down our CAC also because we haven't spent money on marketing to date. So that's something people really want to know, like with this money behind you, what can you actually get? How much are you spending to acquire a customer versus what is their lifetime value with the new subscription? Okay. So what's immediately interesting about that is you're talking about a new product line right. or semi-new. Semi-new. Because you've been it's testing it. Yeah, it's we've been testing it. For two or three months? Yeah. So you believe that in order to get the big money in the next round, it's that second revenue stream that has to click as opposed to the primary one. Is that correct? Well, this is something interesting that I thought about a lot in the accelerator and not to get off topic, but we were growing at a fine rate, but to be a billion dollar company, I think that this second revenue stream is important in tandem with the first. Got it. So the first one is people come to the store, they rent something one off. The second one is they commit because they've had such a great experience renting a dress for Coachella that they want to have a, a dress or an outfit every month rotating through their closet. Right. Okay, so Correct. now we understand that. So it's not really totally different. No. It's just a different way of paying. Correct. So you're creating a loyalty program in a way. And gaining um, more share of their wallet. Gaining more share of their wallet. Love it. Okay. So you're basically just taking people who are one-off customers and getting them to subscribe. Yes. So it's actually not that different. Um, I would be concerned if it was a completely different model. Right. So um, now you have to outline, okay, in order to triple, is your organic growth... Where will your current growth trajectory get you in 12 to 18 months? Double? Double. Great. So now we know the delta. We know the difference. So you need to get from 600,000 to one. You're going to go from 600 to 1.2 doing what you do, but you really want to get that extra 600,000 so you slam dunk it. And what you should create is a series of positions in the company, what they will cost, and maybe some ideas about what functions they will do in order to, to hit that target. And it could be if you figured out your CAC and you figured out how to get customers that it's opening for startups. Right. I'm sorry, for storefronts. Right. It might be that the storefronts are not are great for organic growth, but maybe the catalyst is mastering podcasting advertising or mastering influencer marketing. And you don't know the answer to that yet, do you? We don't. And who's going to be the person who determines the tests that get you that answer? Our head of marketing. And you have a head of marketing? Yes. And you believe he or she is capable of doing this? Yes, definitely. Or because if not, you just told 150,000 people you don't believe in them. <laughs> no, I they, definitely uh, Let me say, do. It in, say it another way. Do they have the resources to actually run enough tests to do this? Yes. Okay. Do they need a second lieutenant? Do they need a budget? Yes. Have you thought about that? I've thought about it. Okay. Um, I've definitely thought about it. I have a few different scenarios that I'm playing around yeah. with um, just to see where the fundraise ends up and like what mm. our revenue looks like for the next few months. But yes, and then we might get someone to help them. That's something that we've, we've been thinking about doing. So now what you need to do is align the entire organization around what is not a radically different plan. It's, hey, we're, here's our plan to double. We would have done that off of mm -hmm. revenues or a modest investment. We got a bigger investment. So now we have to triple. Make sure everybody on the team has bought into that. And you have to just look everybody in the eye and say, have you bought into tripling revenue? Are you ready to go on this adventure with us? And no matter what, the five of us are going to make this happen. And you got to get a confirmation from each one of them. Because sometimes the, start, the, the founding team that got you here is not the team that'll get you there. Right. For one of two reasons. The first reason, they don't have the ability. The second reason, they don't have the motivation. Right. So it's a good time for you to check in with all five of them and reconfirm that they are going to not be snowflakes and not be all in their feelings and all this. It doesn't <laughs> have to be crazy at work, non-hustle BS right. nonsense that's going on in the world right now. Right. you got to make sure you actually have hustlers yeah. who want to sacrifice and get to that series A because this is the critical moment for you. If you do not triple your revenue, I'll tell you what happens to a lot of companies. They raise this money. They don't triple revenue. The VCs don't want them because it's not enough growth. Right. They've, they've proven to the VCs that they're not they worthy of it. a series A and they can't do it which means either the market's not there, the founders aren't good at what they do, or the product's not that good. Whatever reason, they will DQ you. And then the angel community and the seed community will say, well, we don't want to, we've already seen this. It's also proven it can't get there. I'm not going to just give them a bridge funding to nowhere. So it's a little scary, right? Yeah. It's sort of like you left on the boats, but there's not enough provisions to go back. It's good. It's like do or die. It's like you, you know, there's certain airplanes that if you leave and you fly them to Hawaii, there's a point of no return, <laughs> right? And you just know, like, either you're getting to Hawaii or you're landing in the water. Yeah. 
congratulations, that's the flight you're about to take. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah, and so you just have to be, the the, the really great part of that is, if it's a seaplane, you can land it. So in this analogy, which is flawed, if you actually get to profitability in this and you're frugal, mm -hmm. oh my God, that increases your optionality. Yeah. So that's one thing to keep in mind as you build your plan. And then you want to have a regular check-in on your plan and make sure you have all your analytics and the entire organization um, set up and modeled around these very clear metrics. So you know your CAC, you know the number of customers you need, you know the margin you need, you know the number of stores, you know how much you have to spend, you know the team size. That can all change. You, could, you, you certainly will adjust it as you go. But te teams that have a plan and execute against a plan have a much higher rate of success in hitting goals than teams who do not. Seems obvious. Yeah. But it really is important for you to have that plan and communicate it with the team. And then it's a good time for you to think about hmm, if any of these people are not capable of hitting this next level. So every now and then, like a band breaks out and they start doing like concert halls, and it's like, wow, our drummer's not that good. And they replace their drummer. Yeah. Uh, good point. And that's okay. You, what's more important is that the band succeed. Yeah. So if some members of this band don't belong, sorry if you're watching, <laughs> uh, you need to either step up and practice harder or get out. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah, very helpful. Any other follow-ups? Yes. So I don't want to think about the next round yet, but you say 18 months of runway. Um, when do you think, like I've already started talking to firms that were too early for, so I know who I have in mind for the next round, but when do I actually initiate contact with them? So we've talked about the importance of monthly updates and you're yes. one of our existing investments. So you've already contractually agreed to give Correct. me 10 updates a year. Um, and we read them and we respond to some of them. Mm -hmm. And so it costs you nothing to say to all those folks, I've gone ahead and put you on my monthly update. If you don't want to get it, let me know. But I took the liberty of putting you on our monthly updates. And then use that monthly update and putting a chart up top and owning the metrics, put the soft metrics at the bottom, if at all. You spoke at TEDx, you went to Web Summit, all kind of nonsense <laughs> that does nothing for your non business. Non-revenue driving. Yeah. All the charts and your CAC and really considered stuff up top. Then all those investors are going to look at it. And what they'll do is, in month four, they'll say, you know, I'm really impressed with how this has grown. Would you come in uh, and just give us an update? I guarantee you that will happen. And then now is a great time for you to go to each of those investors and say to them, uh, what would it take to do the Series A? Okay. What do you think we would have to hit for it to be worth you taking to your partners? Just curious. We had the meeting. We got the funding. I'm just curious. At what point should we contact you again and give you an update? Was there a revenue number you had in mind? Would we have to hit 300 a month, 200 a month? That would be really helpful if you told me the exact number. Okay, awesome. Be bold like that. Yeah. But you're already bold, so I know that. Thanks. It's been great working with you. Thank I you. I think you're going to change the world. Thank you. I, I feel like I'm going to as well. This is your moment. Yeah. Don't Bonk. F it up. Like <laughs> literally, this is really your moment. You got like, it's very hard to get that first $500,000 million investment. You really, really need to focus and dedicate yeah. your life to this moment for the next year. Yeah, that's powerful. That might be yeah. the most important thing you just said. Okay, or this you is your year. Okay. Don't F it up. I'm ready for it. Okay, good luck. All right, we'll be right Thank back you. with another Office Hours interaction. I just wanna take a moment to tell you exactly how brutal, how hard, how life crushing it is to try to hire somebody today, especially talented people. We have record low unemployment, you know that. Uh, but you also know that in the startup business, tech business, it's a dogfight. And you're out there trying to find talent and it's not easy. And the best place for you to go to find the greatest talent out there is LinkedIn. Everybody knows that because we're all on LinkedIn. And hundreds of thousands of businesses have posted a job to LinkedIn over the past year. So people are now 22 million of them, in fact, are viewing and applying jobs on LinkedIn. Wait for it. Not every year, every week. That's right, 22 million professionals. And what's really important about these is that you get passive searches. What's a passive job searcher? Somebody who's not looking for a job, but then they see your ad that's been targeted through all the incredible data that LinkedIn has, like your job title, how many years you've been somewhere, your experience, all those skills ranking. Well, when they have all that data, and they catch those passive job seekers, they might say, you know what, maybe I'll take a look at this gig. Hey, I can work for Tony over at doing a little crypto work or work with Mick, doing some startup stuff. Hey, maybe I'll check out that job. Well, here you go. I got 50 bucks for you, 50 beans right now, a fitty. Go to linkedin.com slash twist and you'll get $50 towards your first job posting. Think about that, $50 right now 
if you take the time, and I don't know how long they'll keep this up, linkedin.com slash twist. LinkedIn.com slash twist. We filled three positions in the last five months here. Our studio director, Charles, who's been upping the video quality and audio here. He was a real catch. Um, And we're just getting incredibly high quality candidates. We spoke to 17 candidates when we were looking for our studio director. And uh, we had three or four choices to go with. We picked Charles because he was the best uh, and he knows it. But here's the punchline. We spent $140 on the ad. Compare that to, uh, and think about that, 17 great um, candidates for 140 bucks, less than $10 per candidate we spent. So go ahead, get the 50, linkedin.com slash twist. Okay, welcome to Office Hours. It's my chance to meet founders and help them solve their biggest problem in the world with the underlying obvious charade of me buying 6% of their company. Okay, let's continue the charade that I'm trying to help people, (laughs) that I'm trying to help people out of the goodness of my heart when all I want to do is get on their cap tables as they build a unicorn and then get just a a tiny sliver of that glory when they go public or get bought. Jackson, uh, you're from Keyo. I am from Keyo. K-E-Y-O. And uh, you're using biometric ID to replace keys. Uh, and fobs and credit cards and all that nonsense. Yep. Show me what you're working with here. I, I see you're carrying a, a 3D printed prototype, I think. Am I right? Yeah, very astute. This okay. is it. So you're at the 3D printed prototype phase. What do I do? I put my eye scan or is it a finger scan? What is it? You wave by it like that. And we look at about 5 million points in the vein patterns underneath your skin with infrared light and infrared imagery to identify you. And then Wow. You can... So wait a second. You're telling me I do the Jedi mind trick. It's exactly and I the pass Jedi mind my trip. hand across... This uh, little box that looks like an iPhone attached to a little retina scanner, but it's not a retina scanner. Yep. And you scan my handprint Correct. from what, six inches away? Uh, what is the fidelity? Three to four inches. Three to four inches. So yep. I do a Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. uh, Jedi mind trick. These are not the droids you're looking for. And the door opens. Yep. Can you make the door make a whoosh sound? You know in Trader Joe's, yeah, how they do different sounds in different seasons? Oh, they do? I didn't yeah, know that. like when you scan your credit card. Ah. We're going to do that. Got it. So this I've never seen in the market. Why have I never seen this? Is this a new technology? Yeah, so we've been in pseudo-stealth mode. Um, we are bringing this to market right now. It took a lot of time and energy. Uh, I think you mentioned kind of getting lost in the in the woods. Yeah. And a lot of this is all about being a stay-up, not a start-up in my mind when yeah. you're doing really, really big things. And but does this technology... This biometric, this new level of biometric, this is a new standard in the industry that's coming? It's been historically expensive. Ah. And so we found a way to commercialize existing sensors Got in it. a way that big companies would buy them from us. What will this cost to deploy at a at an office per door? Yeah, so we just brought in our first customer, Great. Uh, which is exciting. They bought 25 units at $1,300 each. What? And they're, and they're paying us about $1,000 a month. 25 units at 1300 I'm yeah. assuming that's a break-even for you yeah, with installation? Approximately. Uh, does that include We're not installation? Losing money. Oh, you uh, lose money? We, no, we did not lose money. Break-even. And yeah. we weren't installing them. You're not installing them? No, they paid Do they have party. to attach to the wall, or do you put it on a table next to the wall? How does it work? Because it, it's got an interesting footprint. I don't know exactly <laughs> how that's supposed to yeah. work, but if I had to put that on my wall, it'd be kind of large. Yeah, so there's a, a little bracket spot in the back there, mm-hmm. so like a card reader or whatever. So it looks similar to that? Yeah, it installs really similarly, and then this is like the desk-mounted oh, version. Oh, that's the desk-mounted yeah. version we're looking at here. Okay, yep. um, so 1300 bucks. Yeah. And when you make them at scale, if mm-hmm. you were to make a thousand of them in Shenzhen or Taiwan right now, what would they cost? Uh, Four hundred fifty. Okay. Four hundred fifty dollars at scale, so you could actually do that. That that's we're gonna go make a hundred, right? I think Got in it. two years we can get down to probably sub two hundred. So then the interesting thing becomes the software solution. So it's really hardware as a service, Hass. Yeah. So here's which is not the version of Hass you get when you have heated seats in your car. <laughs> Lest anybody be confused. There's that's a different Hass. That's hot ass. Yeah. What we're talking about here is hardware as a service. It's Hass. It's just as delightful because you get subscription revenue from a hardware product. That's what you're going to do, right? You know, Ten- you know what's really cool about that? People don't tear stuff off their walls very often. No. So the lifetime value could be very high. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I know this business really well because I'm an investor and on the board of a company called Density, which has a similar hardware as a service. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in um, Cafe X and I've got some scar tissue with other hardware companies. I <laughs> What's your question for me? What's your biggest challenge right now? Yeah. Jackson, which is Jason with an X. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Completely correct. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I get a lot of Jasons. 
Like if I, I were picking that. my... Is that your real name or did you uh, no, alter I, your I name? I totally made that up, yeah. It was really? chaos when I was born, yeah. Uh, it, wait, wait, no, no. They made it up for you or you did? My born name was J-A-C-K-S-O-N and I changed it to remove two it's letters. pretty awesome. Do you have Jackson.com? <laughs> I don't. I have JacksonKlein.com. Very nice. All right. Yeah. What's your biggest <laughs> issue? What's your biggest issue? What's yeah, the challenge? So then? broadly speaking, uh, we, where are you based? Uh, I'm right here in East Bay. And oh, the, fantastic. Yeah. A lot of our Oak team Town, is in Berkeley. Chicago uh, on a 54-foot sailboat in Emeryville Marina. Oh, respect. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, See, now I just want to let people know, when I hear so, uh, people are like, oh, why are you asking these personal questions? When I hear like a personal little hack like that, I'm like, okay, this is an odd dude who <laughs> like, is wandering the, the desert beginning. and he lives on a boat. <laughs> But guys who live on a boat and gals who live on a boat, they are hackers because they figured out how to have the best of all worlds. They have beachfront, waterfront property, and they pay a fifth of what it costs y'all, and they can move at any time unless they bought a non-seaworthy vessel. Super seaworthy. You're seaworthy. Yeah. And it's the ultimate hack, isn't it? It is. And yeah. What does it cost you for your slip? Like 1200 a well, month? the hell do you know that yeah i've well, looked into it it's exactly twelve hundred dollars a month because really? <laughs> i've looked into this madness because i wanted to get a boat yeah because it's a hack i wanted to get a boat down in a marina mm -hmm. in uh like san mateo area yeah. i want to get a high speed boat yeah so that i can commute to the city or oakland or berkeley so about we, 12 times a year so we have vc on our dock you have a vc on your dock multiple really we so i'm gonna have to fight them and, out and for they do that they do. They zip down. Yeah, oh, such a great hack. Okay, I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> Edit this part out of the show, Sir Charles. Um, all right, what's your biggest challenge? Yeah, um, broadly speaking, I think we're doing something really big, and and I think there's a few parts of it that we haven't touched on. Uh, we have a lot of inbound interest, even though we try to stay out of the media and try yeah. not to do things except for this. Yeah, um, inbound interest from investors or customers? No, customers. Great. Uh, and what we have not been able to achieve, I think, is taking that interest and quantifying it in a really interesting way going into a fundraising round, which we're about yeah. to do. Uh, and a lot of that is because the customers are larger than we can reasonably service right now, given the 3D printed nature of the product, the small nature of the yeah. team. The good news about that, though, is even if you had a customer, let's say like Google, mm -hmm. who has too many store door fronts, yeah. they would, if they were going to test this, they would pilot it anyway. Yeah. So even though you can't service them, the first contract's going to be for 10 doors anyway. Yep. They're not going to give you 10,000 doors. Yep. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So you think pilots, POCs are a critical path? or? Well, how? I'll be honest. I There's enough here for someone like me to make an investment on a small scale mm -hmm. if you have one customer. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you why. The degree of difficulty in the hardware... You're going to make me cry. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. <laughs> the degree of difficulty. I understand the degree of It's okay. You can cry. It's, I'll, I'll cry right here. We won't be the first on this program. <laughs> Usually people cry not because they're touched, but because they're beat up. So it's, <laughs> this is great. It's a first. Um, no, but the degree of difficulty in hardware, we all know, is super hard. Um, and so for you to get to market and get a customer who's paying $1,300 a unit for 20 units, it's a very, that's enough. One, that's a significant pilot. That's not a bullshit it's uh, not oh, even sorry. a pilot. I'm just cursing my own pocket. <laughs> That's not a BS pilot. It's a legit pilot. How did you get it is the question I would ask. Hustling. <laughs> we took every opportunity we could say yes to. Okay, and close. One, and That's one of close those... to a good answer. But did you call them or did they find out because you so they read a story on TechCrunch we, and then contacted we, we you? We got on stage them? every place we could. One of those was a plug and play event in got Mexico. So in Mexico, you did a pitch event, yep. and somebody in the audience said, "I want it." Yep, and they were, and you didn't drop the ball. They were the GM of a huge, like, new facility in Mexico, or here? in Mexico. Yeah. Perfect. That's enough. All you need to do now is crush that one installation and have that person not shut up about it and yeah. have it work. They use it twenty thousand times. Well, they've used it twenty thousand times. Perfect. So, so far. if it's perfect and it doesn't fail. I think like you should come to our accelerator. It's like a perfect kind of moment for you is to go to an accelerator um, and then go out to the venture community. That would be like the yeah. easy way for you to do it. Um, or if you want to skip the accelerator process, um, you probably need to get to three pilots or four pilots. So I think you have plenty for an accelerator to accept you. Yeah. For seed funds to accept you, they probably would want to make sure that it wasn't a fluke and that you had three pilots. So, so we, have, we, have more pi more. we have more pilots now of that scale though. The, this one was just a legitimate deal. It's every yeah. door, every turnstile in the building. Yeah. So it's the whole thing. You have two more pilots? Yeah, we have uh, additional pilots, including with like the largest 
card brand, like credit card brand in the country. Yeah, so then fundraising becomes a full-time process for you for yeah. three to six months. So you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, we focus on that a lot in our accelerator, launch accelerator. Um, but you could do it yourself too, which means if you go through our accelerator, you get introduced to well over 100 investors who hear your pitch, and then you basically just have to follow up with all of them and close two or three of them. Yeah. So you get to a close rate of, let's say, 1% to 3% and you're good. Yeah. Uh, because then we would follow on with them in all likelihood. And you'd raise that 500 to $2 million seed round. Or you can do it yourself, which means you have to email, cold email 500 investors. I'd say 250 to 500. Mm -hmm. Of those, half will open it. Of those, half will reply. Yeah. So in other words, you get 20% reply rate if you're lucky. So if you do 500, you might get 100 replies if you're lucky, if it's a really good pitch, like a video and a, mm. a bit about the product, uh, a bit about the traction. So let's say you get those 100 replies, and then you convert the 100 replies into 20 in-person meetings, and then you have to pray that you get five of them to take a second meeting and pray that you get past market with two. So you're talking about 250, 250 to 500 reach outs. You have to follow up with almost all of them because nobody replies to the first email. You got to do like three replies. And that is why it's a six month process, I tell people. Mm -hmm. So just be prepared for that. And at yep. the same time, do you have a co-founder? Yeah, two. Perfect. So if you have a co-founder, you have to tell your co-founders, one person's going to focus on fundraising. One is going to focus on existing clients um, and pleasing them. And one is going to focus on the product, yeah. right? And you have a division of labor there that becomes very smooth. And the other two people have to step up if you're the fundraising one and say, the business is going to grow and be strong during that process. Yep. Make sense? Yeah, completely. I am delighted to have met you. This is a very compelling product. Thank you. Um, I appreciate and, that. And uh, kudos to I you. Mean, it's going to be a race to build the tools that matter uh, on the back end. So people are going to yeah. really care about the tools. And so having that API, are you building an API for the back yeah. end? Because a lot of people already have authentication systems and the turnoff. What's great about this is you don't have the cost of badges are fobs yeah. and those fobs get very expensive and they get lost and they're a security concern and they're a management headache yeah the good news is nobody's losing their hand hopefully hopefully <laughs> hopefully no business has to experience somebody losing their hand yeah i think i mean it's pretty dark but luke skywalker no, lost completely his hand. yeah we, so i mean it's kind of got a whole luke skywalker thing to it I, I've, I've tried that pitch before and yeah it, tur it turned people off but i like it <laughs> it's pretty dark um, know your audience all right yeah all right, we're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation. I'm okay. really I'm really infatuated by what you're doing, and also that you live on a boat. Uh, all right, that, that's and the ultimate name. boat hack, by the way, is have friends with boats. I know. <laughs> what boat is the fastest boat that I could go in the bay? And is there a speed limit in the bay? I don't. People, you can go like 45 or 50 miles. Oh, that's hour. fast. I, I know people going that fast. Yeah. What what kind of boat goes 50 miles per hour? Is that like one of those little uh, what do they call them? Scorpions or something? It doesn't need like to be with a lot. four. You know, like there's one right by us. Has two like 400 horsepower engines. That's on what the back. I want. It looks like a big Boston Whaler. I'm sure. It, it I want flies. one of those like so fast. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The problem is if you hit a wave wrong, you die. A wave, you die. If you hit like you know you're going long, going long. There's ah. like a big wave and then you're in the air and then you kind of. Oh yeah, no, I don't want to do that. So there's <laughs> a safe speed you can go. Yeah. What is the safe speed you can go? 30s maybe oh 30s yeah but still as the crow flies between like east bay and south bay you're fine right compared how to long would that take bridges, what is that 10 miles it probably takes like 40 minutes or something i yeah. bet yeah i was thinking about to go to warriors games or go to oakland airport like i would like to this is what i would like to do get in at santa monica san, san mateo yeah. area so a bunch of marinas there and zip over to the oakland airport and park at the oakland airport and take an uber to my flight no i like all of it okay another business idea for you later yeah exactly all right this. <laughs> okay thank well, you very much <laughs> more to come on this week in startups if you're running a business and if you're listening to this week in startups we know you're running a business time is money and shipping can be complex and time consuming with the rates changing constantly i know this because every week I autograph a bunch of copies of my book and we send them out to fans and super fans. Well, I want to tell you about a new solution we've been using, SendPro Online by Pitney Bowes. You know Pitney Bowes. SendPro Online is the one solution that can help you scale. Whether you're sending letters, packages, overnights, flats, whatever it is, you can easily compare USPS, UPS, and FedEx all in one tool. Print shipping labels and stamps right from your own printer. No more going to the post office or waiting in line. Yep, you can track your shipments and get email notifications when they've arrived. Plus, and this is a big plus, USPS postal rates are going to increase January 27th. 
so you're still going to be able to access savings of up to 40% off USPS priority mail shipping. That's what we use. And five cents off every letter you send just by using SendPro online. Pitney Bowes is, of course, a 100-year-old company and one of the original Fortune 500 companies and is now at the forefront of providing shipping solutions. So here you go. The call to action. SendPro online is only $14.99 a month, and listeners can get a 30-day free trial at pb.com. That is very generous. Go ahead and get your 30-day trial at pb.com. You'll also receive a free 10-pound scale to help you weigh packages. And you want to have them accurate and calculate those shipping costs perfectly. You're never going to overpay that way. That's pb.com slash twist. pb.com slash twist. We use it. We love it. It's working great for us. And you can experience the convenience of Send Pro Online for yourself when you sign up for that 30-day free trial at pb.com slash twist. And get that 10-pound scale so you don't waste any money because every dollar is precious when you're running a startup. Okay, let's get back to this very important episode. Okay, everybody, welcome to Office Hours. This is where I interact with founders, some of which I've already invested in, some of which I might invest in, and some of which I would never invest in. Uh, and the goal of Office Hours is for me to just carve out a little bit of my time and give founders the best advice, the most candid, honest advice. If this is too candid for you, stop watching now because it's only going to get more candid. Uh, next up is a founder who emailed me. And I found uh, his business fascinating. His name is Eli, and his business is called Learn to Fly Air. And they're at ltfair.com. So ltfair.com, uh, Learn to Fly Air. I know what you do. You basically have um, four-seat planes that you might learn in. I guess like a Cessna, what do they call it, 172 or 174? Sirius SR-22. Oh, the Sirius with the, with the parachute. That's right. I love that plane. Um, that is the CEO plane. That mm -hmm. is the plane that CEOs buy and then wind up flying into weather and pulling the parachute on and destroying a $500,000 plane. We want to train them not to do that. Got it. Uh, but they're actually pretty amazing planes. Uh, and your concept here is they can take flight lessons while they're going to a meeting. That's right. So it's super efficient and it's a bit of a hack, isn't it? What's the hack in this business? Uh, it's an interesting description, hack. Uh, I think it's apropos. Um, you know, flight instructors have been going on trips with their students forever. It's a logical, great place to learn the lessons you need to be a good, safe pilot. Um, the hack part is, you know, we're working with the FAA. The FAA is a great organization, all about safety, all about consumer advocacy. And so they're interested in making sure that operators sell what consumers understand they're getting. And so what we're not providing is a charter service. So we have to um, work within the existing regulatory body and advertise and provide a real safe, low stress, educational flight lesson to legitimately operate. And therein lies uh, you know, the hack. We have to provide real education while you're going from A to B. And, and why not just provide a charter service? Uh, Great question. Charters operate under a different area of FAA regulatory code that is far more comprehensive and far more expensive, Got it. which makes it, uh, from a price perspective, unaffordable to a mass public. Which I found interesting. When I did my discovery flight at Santa Monica Airport in one of those Cessna, are they called 172s or 174s? What's 172, that? probably. Yeah, 172. Um, those planes that have the short wingspan and gets kind of thrown around in the air. Yeah, it feels bumpy. It feels a little bumpy. I think it was $100 or $150. Yeah, that's a classic intro flight. You didn't go anywhere. You just went up. Yeah, for an hour. And made a loop. And landed back at Santa Monica. Yeah. There's not a lot of utility in a classic uh, flight lesson. Um, you learn, but you don't go anywhere. Got it. So well, I go to Santa Monica and Los Angeles on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So take me through what it would cost me to fly there, do a day's worth of meetings, and fly back and learn. Uh, $1,200 to $1,300. And there's $1,200 to $1,300, $600 right. each way. Depends on which airport you land at. And there's room for three students in the classroom. Got it. So for $600, I could do door-to-door, -door, essentially, yep. for $700 each way. And I typically spend, whatever, three or $400 uh, each way. So That's it's probably right. $500 each way. So it's probably, saves, it's probably $200 more expensive to leave when I want, get where I want, and learn. Yes. 
That is... Uh, uh, if just, I was comparing it to Southwest. It was just you in the airplane, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would think it would be just me, and I think for most people. So, uh, and then for the instructor, mm -hmm. take me through the economics of the instructor. Well, the key here in the business from a profitability and providing real wages to instructors is network efficiency. Mm. So we need to schedule out and have customers in a variety of locations so that we can uh, optimize. No, no, I get the market yeah. thing. I'm talking about, take me through one flight. If I had had that same instructor, mm -hmm. just fly me around for an hour and a half, um, twice, which would right. be you know two lessons, yeah. what would they have gotten paid versus flying me down there for the day and flying me back? And what would they have gotten paid? Uh, well, we're looking at compensation in the neighborhood of 60 to $80 an hour for the instructor. So for the there and back, um, they're at a day rate, and that's not going to occupy their whole day, of somewhere between $250 and $300. And what is, how does that compare to what they would get just teaching lessons? Or is it that they would just get more lessons to teach? If they can do it consistently, it's easily double to triple what they're making now. Great. What's your biggest challenge with the business? Because that's why we're here for office hours, now that we've explained it. Um, the biggest challenge with the business is uh, the regulatory hack element. Yeah. So when we talk to uh, investors, uh, they like the consumer experience, they like the pricing, they, uh, th they see the value, um, and they understand the operations that we've done to date. When we talk about the FAA, the question is, are you approved? And so we have uh, strategies on both sides of the risk versus reward equation where we're trying to execute, but uh, my co-founder and I um, haven't previously done a regulatory hack. So how do we connect and work with angels or do we need a different founder that's got regulatory hack experience? Do we? need a particular brand of angels, or do we need yeah. to educate them? How, what works? Yeah, so this is very similar to Airbnb or maybe Uber in that they had a new model that maybe mm -hmm. people had not seen before. Same thing with crypto doing ICOs. Um, and so what you have to look at in this case, when I look at things that are either bending regulations or reinterpreting them or just innovating on them, right? So I look at yours and I see a virtuous innovation. I would actually learn to like to learn. I would love to learn to fly, and I would love to have a private jet, you know, or a private uh, Cirrus to take me to Santa Monica next on Wednesday when I go. Okay. That would be actually a cool experience for me, and if it was 1200 bucks, I might actually consider it because it's pretty much inconsequential to me if I pay 800 or 1200 right? And I think probably most of these high-end consumers you're going after would love this experience. And I don't think it's disingenuous, so I don't think people are going to do it and then fall asleep and not and want to sit in the back seat and not take the lesson. I think if they're going to be in the plane, getting the lesson is kind of fun. Right, sitting up front, it's a peak experience. It is it's a peak fun, experience. It's engaging, it's memorable. So I don't see it like crypto where you're like, I'm doing a utility token and you're going to pay me for my utility token and utility tokens are not securities even though I'm buying them from people, I'm selling them to people I don't know and doing FOMO marketing, right? So a lot of times when I look at this, I try to interpret, are you on the good side or the bad side? And what I mean by that is, are you out for yourself with this innovation or are you out to make the world better and a better consumer experience? Right. Yours is clearly in the latter. You're making a better consumer experience. Why not combine a trip I have to take with learning? It's just efficient. It's brilliant. No person, FAA, charter company, nobody would look at that and go, oh, they're just trying to screw people over. In this case, nobody's being screwed. Everybody's a winner. Right. If you look at the ICOs, it was very clear that they were going to screw the people who were sending them money and that they were breaking the regulations in a major way. You're not breaking any regulations. I know people who take lessons and who the point of them having a charter is for them to get hours. And they're using going to Tahoe as a part of their training. Right. They get to land in a new airport. So I think you're so far on the good side that I think most angels will get it. And I would not present it as a hack. I'd present it as an innovation. Okay. And I would work very hard with the FAA to inform them of what you're doing and to make friends with them. And if you look at what Naval did with AngelList, mm -hmm. and I think the uh, folks at Funders Club and Seed Invest also were part of this, they went to the SEC and they said, here's what we're doing hey, we're just informing you of what we're doing. We want to be upfront with you. We're going to you saying, hey, here's why this is a good idea. And then some of the scooter companies did that. 
Some of the scooter companies didn't do it. Um, I like the companies doing that because it just reduces risk. And in today's day and age where technology companies have had a little bit of a bad reputation yep. of being a little too aggressive in innovating, I like the idea of in 2019 and going forward to informing them, asking them for feedback, letting them know, and really crossing your T's and dotting your I. I don't. I think having a good law firm is a good start. Who you know yep. handles education, um, and then maybe being affiliated with instructors who have a great reputation. So this is a super hack. If your instructors worked at the FAA before, right? They yep. worked at the regulatory orders, and now they're training. When the FAA comes and says, hey, can I, oh, Joe's there. Oh, Susan's there. Great. So this is a hack. It turns out that a lot of the people who do defense work previously worked at the attorney general's office. Wow. Right. When they're defending some high-priced white-collar criminal, they worked at the AG's office in the Southern District of New York, and then they went on to the other side of the table. Right. Just like, hey, I was a founder, and now I'm an investor. You know, I've been on both sides of the table. Get a both sides of the table person on the team. Gotcha. You know, so, as an advisor, maybe. So a former FAA person is now an advisor. They have a half point of equity. Make sense? Yep. That's a, a couple elements that we're currently executing today. Yeah. Phil, that'll be enough. Falls squarely in yeah. what you just described. The instructor one uh, is an area we can focus more on. Yeah. At this point, you don't need to make a profit off of each one of these. If you overpaid to get some killer instructors mm -hmm. and you pitch this as an elite product, high-end product, then I think it's going to make it even safer. You're saying, we're not trying to take Southwest passengers. We're going after CEOs, venture capitalists, high net worth individuals who genuinely can afford to buy this plane, who genuinely want a career as a charter person. They've expressed this interest. Mm -hmm. So when you get people to sign up, you could ask them, is your primary interest commuting or learning or both? Right. If they say their primary interest is in commuting, then you don't let them book. Right. We have a charter for service we can- You redirect them to, to that. The, Perfect. Exactly. If you do just that, then you have this massive um, cover. You say to the FAA, look, on the form, you have three choices. A, I'm looking for a charter service. B, I'm looking to learn. C, I'm looking for a charter service that allows me to learn at the same time. B and C, we think are fantastic. A, we redirect them yep. to a charter. And we tell them they sit in the back seat, they can sleep, and they don't have to do this. Yeah, we, we've conceptualized we'll have customers that will have to fire. Yeah. Because they won't want to learn. Absolutely. And then you, what you do is you have the instructors rate the student, how much do they pay attention? And then you tell the FAA, look, if they say they paid full attention, partial attention, you know, we're not, attention. We're not attentive. We, if they pay full attention, we do them again. If they paid half attention, we let them know they need to pay full attention on the next one. And if they didn't pay attention, we tell them that this isn't the right service for them and we redirect them in the future. Correct, yes. Perfect, absolutely. you're good. Love your business. Okay, excellent. I, I'm excited about your business. I wanna so, know so when you get to 10 or 20 mm -hmm. of these a week. Where are okay. you at now? Uh, six, seven. Perfect. Like I said, when you get to 10 to 20 a week, then it becomes real. Let's keep talking. It might be something that we'd fit into the accelerator. Excellent. All right. We'll be right back. If you are like me, you are obsessed with productivity software in your startup. We pay for a ton of software every month to make our team members bionic. And some of the software is amazing. You know the names. Well, here's a name that you may or may not know that helps us pick the right software. It's kind of like the Yelp of enterprise software. It's called Captera. It's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A. -R -R and I want you to go right now to capterra.com slash twist and do what we did. If you go to capterra.com slash twist, you can see what we did. We went there and we were looking for CRM software for our sales team. Some of this software is $100 per seat per person. We're talking about thousands of dollars a year. So we went on there and we said, hey, tell us all the ones that are four stars and up and that are good for two to nine people, which is about the size of our sales team. And we started comparing. We checked off a couple of different uh, CRM software. We said compare. And just like one of those car sites or travel sites, and it puts everything next to each other, you could see what are the different features, what platform does it work on, and get yourself a free trial. This saved us thousands of dollars a year and found us great software. We love Capterra. It's really easy to use. It's got great customer store, tons of uh, value you can get out of this. And there are 700 specific categories of software. So don't go in a chat room. Don't call your friends. 
save a ton of time. Millions of people are using Captera, which is free. Captera is free. They provide, just like Yelp, just like your favorite review site, they tell you what movies, what TV shows, what restaurants to go to. Well, Captera tells you which software to use and how to get a great deal on it. Over 700,000 reviews from people who have bought and used the software. That is critical. We love this product and you're going to love it too. I want you to go right now to capterra.com slash twist. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash twist. It is a fantastic service and it's free. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Okay, next up on Office Hours with Jason is Ajay. Ajay, A-J-A-Y. And he is with a company called Viral. Viral. Viral, spelt incorrectly, V-Y-R-I-L-L-L-L. No, V-Y-R-I-L-L.com. Terrible name, uh, incredibly confusing to spell, uh, but you got the dot .com. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a play on viral marketing. But. Clearly, a play on viral <laughs> marketing that requires people on the phone to spell it three times. Uh, which is a total fail. And when you type it into Google, you're going to come up last. Uh, but we'll get into your horrible choice in uh, domain name selection and naming in a minute. What is your biggest challenge? Yeah, so the biggest challenge is we sell our uh, video. Uh, yeah, explain what you do yeah. and then explain what your biggest challenge yeah, is. Yeah, so essentially what we do is we're helping brand marketeers dig through all that massive amounts of video content on social media and help find the best video reviews, unboxing videos, and all that that drive conversion. So essentially, we are an AI-based uh, video discovery, analytics, and content marketing platform uh, to enable. So uh, if I'm Samsung, conversion. So if I'm Samsung, or I make the Google Pixel, yeah. or I can pay you to find people who've made videos about me. Correct. And you all use AI to find them, as opposed to me saying on YouTube, Google Pixel Three review. That's correct. So, so the difference is... Yeah, what's the difference? Because yeah, that sounds like a marketer could pay somebody $16 no, actually, an hour so to not do only, all this. So, so we, we've actually trained machines to watch millions of videos. So we ah. are able to map... This is what makes us very unique. We're able to map millions of video reviews to product SKU, category, brand, and competitor. Okay. We then go inside the video, and we analyze the video through nine different lenses. So sentiment, topic, scene, demographic, brand safety, and all that. And ah, we so that's super the video. interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and that's we score the video. Layer. So it's exactly very relevant video that will uh, convert. So if I am the iPhone and I see that Jason at Jason on Twitter is talking smack about the iPhone's camera sucking compared to his Pixel 3, which yeah. I was doing when I was in Hong Kong, and yeah. I literally just stopped taking pictures on my iPhone, um, you would inform them of that and then describe the sentiment for correct, them. Correct, correct. So the Apple people are there. Okay, I get it. I so, the so if I'm a, so what is your challenge? Yeah, so the challenge is really uh, uh, B2B sales. You know, at the moment, our, our, we, we're focusing on two verticals, beauty and automotive, and we're now expanding to uh, CPG. Uh, and so the challenge I have is we have two people right now on sales team, myself, and I have one other person in L.A., and so the challenge is we mostly we do outbound marketing right now, go to conferences, bring in leads from there. We're now launching an inbound uh, mechanism to, to build more leads. So we actually have, we have done some pilots with some big customers. We have case studies that we're building up. And we're also launching a free search engine so people get a taste of what are what are. So what's the challenge? So the challenge is uh, how to increase my sales, how Got to it. sell to what more What is the market. product cost? Uh, the product is, uh, on, for, average. on average, is two to $20,000 a month. Based on number two of, to twenty thousand dollars, a big yes, range. It's, it's really a SaaS. Okay, so uh, half of your model. customers pay what? The top so half. So they're paying right now. Uh, the top half pay what? I would say we're at we're starting at two thousand right now. That's a what month. The, uh, a month. Okay, and how long have you been selling it? So about eight months now. Okay, so we don't know the lifetime value yet. Not yet. But the good news is, let's just say it costs two thousand a month, twenty four thousand dollars a year in most cases. Um, you have a lot of room to play with because if it's a good product and people keep it for three or four years, you're talking about fifty to a hundred thousand uh, dollars, and that means you could pay, I believe, a hundred, two hundred dollars per lead, which means you could pay a dollar or two per click and convert one percent into a lead. You understand how this funnel system yeah, yeah, works? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you are the perfect system. person to do content marketing that backs into a webinar. Okay. or uh, a consultation. So what I would do is I would come up with some viral content 
that comes out every month. Right. And you do the sentiment analysis of the most hated brands. Okay. The brands that are the most hated. Now, you smiled and you laughed. I got an emotional reaction for you. Well, that's one of the keys to doing viral content or content that gets people's attention is that you get an emotional response. So these are the five most hated brands this month. Um, and you say uh, Samsung phones, you know, when they were blowing up. Right. Or, you know, Apple when they took away the phone jack, right? Whatever it is. Right, right. And you say, here is a supercut. Do you know what a supercut is? No, no. Supercut's a, a viral phenomenon on YouTube where somebody will make a video of a bunch of people slapped together having the same comment. So it's like a, a supercut of like the same moment. Got it. So you literally take a, make a supercut of 25 people complaining about the iPhone removing the phone jack from famous people to unfamous people. Yeah. Now that goes viral and you say, read the report the 10 things people hate most about the iPhone and the 10 competitors who people mention most as replacing their iPhone. Then you take that, you make a landing page. Anybody who hits that landing page, you retarget them. Do you understand what retargeting yes, is? Yes, I do understand So you cookie them and yeah. you retarget them with a white paper form. Okay. You have a 10 page white paper that goes deep into this. Right. Then you target it on LinkedIn advertising against people who work at those companies or their competitors and have the titles of president, CEO, product manager, marketing, PR, customer service, et cetera. Right. Now you've got this funnel of people who wanted to click on the five most hated things about the iPhone or these other competitors. Right. And there's a form that says, if you would like us to do a sentiment analysis on your product or you would like to get our 10 tips on how to not suck... <laughs> or 10 right. tips for dealing with customer complaints, whatever right. ones you make, right. fill out this form and we'll immediately email it to you. Got it. They fill out the form, boom. And if they go to the form page, right, you know something else about them. Right. So you have one set of retargeting people who went to see the viral video. You go to the other one of people who filled out the form. The people who filled out the form, you can afford to spend $5 per click, right? They right. have really become yep. important yep. players. Right. The ones that, before that, maybe a dollar click. And then, you have your sales executives having fresh, delicious, nutritious, high quality, you know, the, the, the Wagyu level leads. Right. Not the ground beef, not the, the crummy chuck, you know, bad beef. Right. You're getting right, them right. like the high quality Wagyu, you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So you just have to invest in building that funnel. Right, right. And then right. your salespeople, instead of them doing this hard work of cold emailing 100 people a week, yeah. they're responding to five who filled out the form every week. Got it, got it. And just want to follow up yep. question on that. So is there something, so we also want to sell by number of seats, logins as well. Yep. So is, is there anything marketing, uh, I want to create a market networking effect within once you're sold. Yeah, the so, so here's, here's where I'm going with that. Our data, our, our insights can be uh, essentially uh, can be leveraged by social analytics and uh, content marketing teams. Got it. Very simple. Um, you get one person to sign up. You allow them to comment on the data and have like a message word feature. So let's say you have charts and stuff like that. On the top right hand of the screen, I'm yeah. looking at the chart. It says, invite people from your company to discuss this. Okay. And you type, they type in emails and then they're popped in that chat room instantly. Got it. Awesome. Or share this document with people. You share it, and then they can post comments. Got it. So it could be like, share this and talk to your team about it. You put in my email. Right. Now I'm shared, and then we have a, a room, and it says, Ajay wanted to talk to Jason about this. Right. And it puts that first you know, icebreaker in there. Now, if they start having a comment thread there, and they quit the service, they have to quit the thing, and you could say to them, oh, I see you have 17 people commenting on this one chart. Uh, if you'd like to upgrade them so they can see all the charts themselves, right. boom. So right. you let people comment on individual charts but not see the entire charts. Got it. So then the person would have to re-invite right. everybody to every chart, <laughs> right. and they're just popping off. And then at a certain point, you could say, you know, you can invite people, you can invite up to 10 people to up to 10 charts a month. Yeah. And after that, you can't. Yeah. Right, so some sort of stickiness yeah. where there's annotation or something going on. By the way, the I love that we're in the process of introducing live ch chat within the dashboard itself, so people yeah. can talk. That yeah, makes so, it sticky. Community yeah. stuff makes it yeah. sticky. Okay, very that, hard. That's okay, helpful. Uh, Thank and you. then you want to have the charts update. So that's another thing. Let's say that chart adds the month of March. Yeah, it should email everybody and say this chart has added the month of March. Now you've got an engagement strategy. Right. Right. So right. this stuff all takes time to build. Yeah. 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 But you have. Whenever you have a product that makes $20,000 a year or more, 
Well, let's just say even $5,000 yeah. a year or more. Yeah. When you're making over $5,000 a year, you can start to really do interesting stuff. When you're selling a $10 subscription every month for Spotify yeah. Yeah. or $5 a month or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. very hard. Yeah. By the way, we just sold a $20,000 product for four months. So essentially... It's it's become yeah. now a sixty thousand dollar product, and yeah. we're, we're we're up as we're as we're building it. We're upping the uh, yeah. The game I would as well. deprecate the bottom half of your customers. Do not okay. let people get into this product, right? Because you're 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 a weapons salesman. You're an arms dealer, and when you're an arms dealer, <laughs> if you give everybody you know like the latest fighter plane, yeah, it negates the value. I see. You want to only sell the bomber and the fighter planes, the people who can pay you the top dollar, Got it. and then the other people die. Okay. And get wiped out. Okay. That's the promise That's you're making. That's very good insight as well. Yeah. I mean, the promise you're making to the marketers who buy this is they'll be able to defeat their competitors. Yeah. And then their competitors have to buy it. Right. And then if you don't have enough money to buy it, you die. Yeah. It's called Darwin, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm just being candid. Yeah, no, very helpful. All right. Helpful. Good luck. Yeah, uh, How you. much money are you going to make in, how much money did you make in 2018? What are you going to make in 2019? So uh, 2018 was about 100K. Great. And we're actually, the goal is to buy August to book about a million dollars in book revenue. Book a million, book, okay. Yeah. So you want to try to do maybe five, six, seven hundred in 2019. Correct. Yeah. You want a five extra revenue. All right. Be in touch with my team because you are starting to get into that accelerator moment. We are. And by the, by the way, we're closing a $2 million round and Fantastic. already 1.5 is in the bank. That's great. So just closing the remainder half Good right luck. now. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well, uh, be careful because I don't know if we can say that live on television. <laughs> okay. You may have to uh, edit that part out. Did we talk to your attorneys? Okay. Okay. We'll be right back with yeah. more office hours. Okay. Welcome back. We have a familiar face here, Jill Bork from Rush Ticks, which went through our first incubator class. We now call it an accelerator. Uh -huh. uh, of those seven companies, one of them got acquired. That's worked out really well for mm -hmm. us. Uh, that was uh, Sunny's company requested. Mm -hmm. And Red, Red Tricycle, Tricycle still Red going Tricycle strong. Still going strong. And Rush Ticks still, still in the game. Still, still in the game and growing. Good. So we're awesome. in a new phase. Great. Tell us. So, well, okay. tell people what Rush Ticks is. Okay. Yeah. So Rush Ticks is a subscription-based live entertainment platform. Netflix for live events. Exactly. Um, and we were out fundraising a year ago. Yep. And we got a real meh response. Okay. From VCs. Got it. They said you don't have enough traction, and we don't think this market is big enough. And at that time, you're doing, what, 10K a month? Yeah, we're month? doing like eight, nine. Got so, it. So, so that makes sense. They're yeah. looking for a little more traction. Add a zero, and their probably eyes would open up. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, up until now, we've raised about 400000 from right. the incubator slash accelerator. Um, and then over the last year, we focused on growth. We've 3X'd it. Great. Almost 4X'd it. Um, so we're in a good place. And I read your wonderful book. Oh, thanks. It's a really good book. Thank you. Um, and so now I'm thinking uh, for this seed round, instead of going to the VCs, why don't we do just angels? Yeah. And so, and here's my thing. Um, did, did you happen to see an article today in Fortune by Emma Hinch, uh, no. Hinchliffe? Okay. Well, it just says something that it's been said many times, but that women uh, led female fo focused, female led startups get like 2% of VC money. Okay. And you know, I'm not a whiner. I'm, that's fine. I'm resilient. Um, but if I'm going, if I'm looking at angels, is it a good idea? And should I look at angels that will help me get to the next level if I am aiming for a unicorn business, which yeah. I have? Okay. So if you're aiming for a unicorn business uh, and you're trying to get past what you believe are systematic um, challenges for people in this system, there is one hack around it. So instead of debating, are women treated differently or not? Obviously they are, um, and to what extent? All that matters is uh, that you have a chart that goes up and to the right. When there is a chart that goes up and to the right, people quickly forget about gender and race, even if it's subconscious. In my experience, um, and this is the this is me mansplaining and white splaining and cis white male splaining, but I have seen uh, minority women with up and to the right. Black women, Asian women have an up and to the right, right chart and close funding. You now have the up and to the right chart. Uh, if you can show that you're in control of that chart and you know how to move it intelligently, now not perfectly, but intelligently. If we spend X, we get back Y. You know, we, our CAC typically lands here and uh, we know how to do retargeting and we know who our customer is. Um, and our customers are viral in this way. When you start to show that ability, 
then people will look at the organization, I think, differently. You also have been around for a while. That would be a bigger issue than being a female founder or a founder of color, in my experience. The being around for a while becomes a real scarlet letter, if I'm using that analogy correctly, in that people will say, oh, it's been around for four years and it's not a unicorn, it hasn't grown. Okay, there must be some fundamental flaw. That's actually a really bad way to think as an investor. So people who are investors there, it might be the founder was just kind of getting their legs under them, figuring out what they want to do. Um, and then maybe at some point they start to feel emboldened because they figured it out. So sometimes people get lost in the desert and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a second, I found an oasis. Oh my God, I found oil and now I'm rich, right? Like, so I kind of look at your experience very much like that, which is, hey, you went out to the desert and you starved and it was brutal and you didn't accomplish as much as you wanted to. And then all of a sudden you found this oasis, you dug, you found oil, or you found diamonds or antiques, whatever it is, and then you can go to them with that. So I think that's the key is to go to them and say, you know, we, we built what would be best described as a lifestyle business. And then here's the moment that it changed. What was the cause of that tripling, quadrupling of the revenue? Was there some moment or some exact thing that you can point to and say, we discovered this? Well, I would say that up until this last year, our focus wasn't on growth. We had yeah. a limited budget. And if we were to grow in that way, it would just bankrupt us right, ah. right off the bat. So when you have $400,000 hmm. total in investment, yeah. um, for us to throw it to, at uh, customer acquisition was not a good idea. We were just, our burn rate was just, woo. So we got our product market fit as far as our customers being super happy. We felt like we had a, a, a product that people stayed with. Right. Like we had to solve retention before growth. Yeah, you don't want to dump a bunch of water into a leaky bucket. So yeah. you feel like you solved the leaky bucket issue. Yes. We got product market. What does the product cost now? And do people pay by year or month? They pay uh, monthly. Uh, $39 a month is the average. Hmm. Can they buy a year for 250 They can. They do can. they? Um, and do you market that? We don't market that um, hmm. just right now. What just is it per year? Uh, it's like basically 20% off, but you, you're right in the ballpark. Okay, great. Yeah. So I think that's something to think about. It's... Two ninety nine. It's uh, it's twenty five dollars a month when billed annually, and mm -hmm. presenting that first because mm -hmm. that gives you cash flow. Right. And I would test that immediately because mm -hmm. that could also be a changer where if you start getting a third, and then forty percent, and then fifty percent, and then eventually the majority to pay in a year, consumers when they see that com is sixty dollars, it's like you know it's eight dollars a month or sixty when billed annually. I think a large percentage, I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, but I think a large percentage do that. And I saw that with also with Fitbod, another accelerator company, and Musician, a bunch of these are saying, when build annually. Mm -hmm. I would do that. Now you got cash flow coming in. Um, so I think that's a good story to tell investors and be cognizant of the fact that when you go out to raise this money, it's going to be a three to six month process. And they're going to be looking at your growth each week during it. So when you fire off this, you're going to have to serve two masters. One, you're going to have to spend half your time fundraising. And the other half, you're going to have to plot out weekly growth and just say, over the next, call it 20 weeks, we're going to spend this amount and grow this amount every week. And you're going to have to go to your partners and team members and say, I need you to hit these exact numbers of growth. You could be off a little bit, but you know, if this week we have $1,000, or actually in your case, like we're at 5,000 a week or something. Mm -hmm. Next week, I want to have exactly 5% growth. So I want it to be $5,250 in, you know, mm -hmm. MRR or whatever it is. And just start that trail. Now, they could easily hit it by creating this uh, when billed annually number. Mm -hmm. But if it's going up and to the right, every email, because I got your email uh, recently on the update, and you didn't have any of the revenue or charts. And I was like, where's the chart? Because if it is going up and like buried like halfway down your thing, there was some indication that things were working out. Mm -hmm. But people are busy. You're up against a lot of startups. Lead with the weekly chart, you know, and have the weekly, the monthly, and the quarterly chart. Now, all of a sudden, people are going to look at it and go, oh, Jill from Rushticks. I remember her. Yeah. Uh, oh, really she pursued, figured it out. I haven't pursued angels yet, though. That's my... So I'm interested to know which are the ones that I... I mean, obviously, you're... Any, the, the, any investor who sees a chart going up and to the right is going to take the meeting. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that founders have to understand. It's very easy to get caught up in, you know, the unfairness of the world or how difficult it is or um, 
people want to grow too fast and unhealthy. There's a lot of like anti-capitalism going around right now at this very moment in 2019. Elizabeth Warren wants to tax everybody like whatever, two or three percent on their ultra wealth. You know, uh, Cortez, I forgot her name. She wants to do, Alexandra wants to do, she thinks it's immoral to be a billionaire. I don't for the record. I think it's immoral to be a billionaire. I think it's (laughs) super moral. I'm really working hard to get there. Uh, but anyway, you're you're in this like anti-capitalist society uh, in the public sphere. But in private and in what we do, everybody's still pretty much focused on the same thing, getting rich mm-hmm. and being powerful. And if you can focus just on two things, building the world-class product that people don't want to unsubscribe from, and then growth, you can invest the growth dollars into your team and the product, which then makes it spread, which then gets you more money, and that money gets reinvested in the product, and all of a sudden you get the flywheel going. You're on the cusp of getting that flywheel growing. You have to block out all other noise and get that flywheel going. Once that flywheel's going, it's very hard to stop these businesses. They just grow. Mm-hmm. And so congratulations on that. Can I count you in on the next round? Okay, so for us to do continued bridge financing or whatever, if it's a new round, I would want to see you have half of the round lined up before I get involved. Mm -hmm. So what happens um, with me a lot is people know I get really enthusiastic and I I believe in founders, you know how I am, and I'm just like, yeah, let's go. What I've had to do is have a little discipline. After maybe one or two investments in a company, which we did, we want to see you have the ability to clear market with other investors mm-hmm. and then come back to us and say, this investor who's a known quantity is putting in 250. We have 250 left. How much do you want? Mm-hmm. That's how you got to go back to your existing investors. And then you have power. I did that with inside.com. I recently was able to raise around over $2 million. I said, I'm putting in $250,000. Um, and um, here's where I think the business is going. And I had other investors and I went back to our existing investors and a couple of them who had invested 10 years ago were like, yeah, I'll take my pro rata. But I didn't want to go back to the existing investors like, hey, keep bridging me, keep bridging me. Mm -hmm. What you should tell existing investors is Jason uh, said he's interested in coming in if we can get half the round filled. So he's soft circled. That's like, and so I don't want you going out there using me as Jason's the anchor of the round. I got you. Use me as like the soft circle. We haven't done the syndicate yet. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, you haven't? No. Yeah, so the syndicate now, the stakes are a little bit higher since when you went through. Back in the day, we would do companies you know, that had a pre-product market fit, but now you're up against companies that have a little bit more traction and have control of that growth. So typically, they have six months of continuous growth that they've controlled. You might have three or four months right mm-hmm. now. So you probably have about one more, two more months of proving it mm-hmm. because I've trained our syndicate at thesyndicate.com to be very focused on investing in companies that don't have leaky buckets and that have control of their growth and they're going to ask really hard questions and they're very savvy um so it's possible but you're now we usually have about 10 companies lined up to do the syndicate and what we do is we monitor all of them and we have them deploy based on how much of the round is closed and what their growth is and how much money they're making those two factors so when people come to us and say hey the round's closed we've got 750 of a million there's only 250 left we have to move quickly. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the growth is so spectacular that we say, we'll do the entire round. So we've done that twice where I said to somebody, you want $800,000? We'll put in 100 from our fund and we'll try and syndicate all 700. Then you go out and do other uh, funding. But that's only if they have spectacular growth, which is usually doubling every three months or tripling. So when people have that, which is you know about 5% of our startups will show that, we will preemptively finance them. So those are the two hacks. All right. All right. Well done, Jill. Great to see you. 